Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. Today, we're taking a train to Staffa by the beautiful lake of Zurich. There, we'll be visiting Tommy Brandle, founder and CEO at Run My Accounts. The company offers services for Swiss SMEs and startups, supporting them in several areas, from online accounting to annual financial statements to much, much more. Having arrived in Staffa, we're just a short walk away from the industrial quarter and the headquarters of Run My Accounts. From the outside, the office looks more like an e-commerce company that needs a large warehouse and lots of space. But as soon as we ring the bell on the first floor, we find a modern space with bright rooms and a really cool and dynamic office. We go straight to a meeting room and start by asking our very first question. Thomas, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's great to have you here today. Thanks a lot. We are here in Staffa at your beautiful offices. You moved here five years ago and more than 50 people work here nowadays. What does this place mean to you beyond your daily uh, place of working? Yeah, it's where the company is. That's where my also uh, a lot of my, my life uh, happens. Uh, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of successes, but also sometimes uh, uh, difficult times uh, that happen as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. A lot of uh, emotional stories to tell, Absolutely. I can imagine. <laughs> You basically started Run My Accounts out of a problem that you identified. You've been working in startups as CFO, but also at the big company at IBM. Can you walk us a bit through the early days of Run My Accounts? How did you discover the problem? What was the problem that you identified? Yeah, so the the problem, I identified it uh, quite uh, a long time ago. uh, After my studies, I've uh, worked as a CFO in a company, in a startup called Minik that I um, co-founded with some some friends from secondary school. And uh, I was the CFO there, and that meant, uh, especially in the early stage of the of the company, um, that I did a lot of, of bookkeeping and, and accounting, and it was quite annoying. And as the the company um, uh, expanded, it, it, there was more and more work uh, uh, that I had to do, and it was difficult at that time to find uh, personnel. Uh, so I had uh, a lot to do myself um, of it and sometimes also during the nights because at some point we were about 120 employees and it was really uh, a lot of work. And uh, at that time it was difficult to, to find uh, another solution because an outsource, outsourcing to a fiduciary was not really an option because uh, then you didn't get actual numbers. Um, as well, there was no online uh, systems at that time. It was in, in about uh, 2000, mm-hmm. year 2000. Um, so I had to do it myself with, with my own stuff, but it was difficult to find um, people at that time that were qualified enough uh, to, to do the accounting work. And uh, yeah, later on, I, uh, as we sold the company, I um, went to work at IBM. And I was a negotiator there. I negotiated uh, outsourcing contracts. And in that job, I also negotiated uh, business transformation, outsourcing um, contracts. One was with a a large uh, Swiss uh, insurance company where they outsourced the whole uh, um, accounts payable department to IBM. Mm -hmm. And there I saw how IBM works with with, uh, accounting. So they automated a lot. They uh, had SAP um, with with a lot of of automation. And what they could not automate, they they were able to, to process very, very efficiently. Um, and I thought, why not do something like that for for SMEs mm-hmm. because they have a, a lot more leverage than than a, a large insurance company. I thought at that time, um, but it was difficult to to get there. So I I thought a lot about uh, the processes that could be set up, which also fit for small enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, in small enterprise, you have the the problem that uh, it it uh, it's very diverse. So um, for example, if you have a restaurant 
or a marketing agency, they have totally different accounting needs. Um, and if you want to automate, you need to um, yeah, find, find a central uh, um, uh, core that, because you need to standardize if you want to automate right. and um, then it's it's much easier if you if you if you have a good standard but you need to find or, or you need to reflect also the differences between all these companies and that was the, the huge difference um, um, in, in contrary to the uh, large company um, and uh, I've, I found ways how to to handle that uh, within times but it took it took a long time until i then finally said okay i found the company what was that decisive step that you took there was there a moment where you said you won your first client or what was the sort of the supporting moment that led you to that decision saying hey now i take the jump and found my own company i think it was it was the entrepreneurial um mindset that i have uh, deep in me because also my my father has been an entrepreneur my my grandfather as well so i think that's something in me that that uh, um, is very entrepreneurial and uh, in in a, in a large corporate organization it was difficult uh, for me sometimes to uh, to 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 handle that mm -hmm. uh, uh, and therefore yeah it, at some point i thought i have to find my own company again and uh, before uh, with minik we were very successful it was also very very entrepreneurial and i thought i have to go back um, to the entrepreneurial uh, side and 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 lift that mm -hmm. and also uh, as i told um some friends about my idea. I had I was lucky uh, to have uh, three uh, customers from scratch. So from from the beginning on, um, they said it's a good idea if you if you do that. So we will be customers, mm -hmm. and then it was quite easy to to start with these uh, three customers. So that's basically also how you then put the idea into practice because having an idea or a challenge, the problem that you identify yourself by seeing both worlds, the startup world and the corporate world. Is one thing, yeah. but then actually also, you know, executing it and putting it into practice is a completely different thing. Can you also talk about how you then actually built the, the company and the product and delivered a, a service to the first three yeah. customers? Yeah, yeah. This this is, was quite tricky, and um, it was like a prototype that I did. So a lot of things that that I intended to do, uh, I did not have at that time. I had no, uh, almost no technology. Uh, and I had to develop the technology. I did that myself. Uh, I, 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 I have coded uh, a lot at this time. And um, it's, it was like a prototype that I tested uh, with these uh, real customers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it did not work at all. And uh, a lot of it uh, worked. Um, and, and then you had, I had to find out which parts work and which uh, uh, didn't work. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the lean approach it was not that common at the time but it, it was absolutely how how i did it right. uh, there was no fancy saying for no. the business practice that you yeah. had but yeah, yeah, it was yeah. similar to the lean approach yeah yeah and it was like the prototype that i that i did and after uh, i had this worked for three customers uh, they uh, um, recommended some some other customers mm -hmm. and then I, at some point i had six customers and then i had again to to find out how i could serve these uh, customers and and work with them and um, uh, also develop new technology and after um, this was fine i could uh, um, uh, find the next uh, customers and it worked mm -hmm. like that right. until I had really too much work uh, to to serve all these customers and I needed to uh, employ uh, the first em uh, employee. But I, I guess that's also a good philosophy. You, so you don't hire people just because you can. You hire people when it actually hurts and there's a real pain yeah. because yeah. your day just also have 24 hours, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So I, I always had this uh, organic approach within Run My Accounts because I thought I, with the last company with Minik, we, we had also venture capital and was uh, sometimes you also do decisions that are not maybe the best ones. If you have a lot of money and you need to spend it, you will spend it uh, um, sometimes without thinking too much and um, without having really the focus on on how you spend it and, and how 
um, yeah, how, what you do with that money exactly and control everything. Mm -hmm. So I want to have another approach here in run my accounts. Um, I think it's also because of the business. I think accounting business, you, you cannot, uh, you have to have a good quality. That's, that's the, the, the main uh, issue here. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot just say I hire 10 people and, and uh, I let them work with, with the customers and then it does something fails. That's, that's really, uh, uh, that would cause, cause a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to, um, for, for, for hundred percent or almost hundred percent. And therefore, yeah, it's, it's, it's also difficult, I think, to grow right. in that field yeah. where you are. So you grew organically, you won your first clients, then they referred you to other clients. I'm sure along this way of building up the company, there has also been difficult times or big challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you maybe uh, name us a few that really kept you up at night and kept you very busy? Well, there, are, there are a lot of these uh, stories, but uh, I think, yeah, there are different aspects. For example, I mean, the financial um, part uh, was, was sometimes really hard because, because uh, if you start with three customers, you don't make a lot of money. Right. And um, um, yeah, there was a, a lot of investment uh, on my side into the company because I just couldn't afford my salary. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then as soon as I had about 20 customers, I, I got a salary, a, a little salary out of it. And then I had to hire the first employee and then I lost my salary again. Oh, <laughs> so, and, yes. and this, uh, went on and on and on at, at some point, I really only had 500 Swiss francs on my bank account. And you had two kids at home, two, right? Two kids at home, yeah. That's it was crazy. it was crazy, and you always uh, need to think: am, am I really on the right way? Mm -hmm. Should I should I stop now because I I could stop now, or or um, yeah, should I go on? And it's it's all it's not always just black and white. It's most of the times it's like gray, and you have to to find uh, your way with your intuition and mm -hmm. and your feelings, and and that sometimes is really really hard. But I mean, having 500 Swiss francs on your private bank account with family at home, that's an immense pressure that you face there. Absolutely. What made you so confident to still push forward and keep following the track that you now successfully executed? What gave you this confidence to still continue on that path? Uh, I had my customers and they were happy uh, with the service and I thought there potentially will be more customers mm -hmm. uh, uh, that I can make happy. And um, so that that gave me the confidence, and also I I'm, I'm quite a, a disciplined guy. I can really work uh, hard and and long, and and um, that made me confident that I can uh, do it uh, on my own. Mm -hmm. as, as long as you have uh, a success with the customers, I think that's the most important thing. So basically, the the, the customer feedbacks and the referrals they kept you going, and yeah, basically so, also supported yeah, you on yeah, on this way. Yeah, yeah. No, because other startups, they have investors. You, on purpose, didn't choose to have any, any big investors. Yeah. At least at the beginning. I had, at, at about uh, two and a half years, I, I uh, had some friends and family that, that invest. Right. Also some customers that were that happy that they said they would invest. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's not, it's not like a story like, like others do it with real, uh, a lot of venture capital and r different right. rounds. So it, it works a little bit differently, mm -hmm. but also very well, I think. So beyond the, the customers, there were also supporters from friends and family. Maybe you can also talk a bit about that, how you convinced your friends and family to also <laughs> walk down that path with you and, yeah, and support yeah. you on that project when yeah. some might, might have thought, oh, this is not working out. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, on one side, there were customers that, that were that happy that told me um, they would be interested uh, to invest into the company once uh, there would be an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, yeah, as I, as I asked them, they also brought some friends and I had some friends also from, from uh, uh, the um, companies that I worked before uh, that, that invested uh, a little bit of money and it, it worked quite well. So at the end, I had even more uh, investors than I uh, wanted to have and I could pick and choose mm -hmm. and, and find the, the right people that were, uh, that were supportive, that wanted also to engage uh, for, for our mission. 
and um, this this was quite well. So we have a very good um, uh, relationship still with all the shareholders, and they're very supportive for the company. Great. And then as you grew the company, I can imagine that also attracts other companies doing something similar to what you were offering. I think there were also competitors entering the market at a certain point in time. Yeah, but it, it, I actually thought this would uh, go much faster. Okay. I, I, I thought if I found the company maybe a year after I have the first competitors, mm -hmm. it's also digitization in, in the field of, of accounting was very for a very long time it was absolutely no subject because because fiduciaries were or seemed not to be interested in in digitization uh, they they liked to work with paper still a lot of, of, of fiduciaries like to work with paper i think and um, it it really took a very long time i was quite surprised until uh, i had the first competitors mm -hmm. And at the beginning, the most of the competitors, they were maybe on the market for, for a year or so, and then they again disappeared. Um, because I think it's, it's quite complex to, to do something uh, like, like we do. Um, and it needs some time, probably. Or if, if you don't have too much money, if you really have a lot of money, some millions, you might be able to, um, yeah, to, to go into this market and, and compensate for the experience that we have. You need a lot of money um, to, to, to get into competition with us because we now have two years, uh, 10 years of experience uh, with, in that field and we know how the process works, you know, uh, which technology um, uh, works. And um, I think, yeah, you need, you need a lot of money to, to survive in, in, this, in this field. Because also in, in, our, um, in, in the accounting market, there's, it's very sticky. So because people or companies just don't change their accounting system from one day to another because they have their own processes, they have uh, people that are educated with the software and um, you have, have also maybe invested a lot of money in a software and you won't just change it. Um, so that's a software perspective and also um, people um, trust is, is very important. So if you yeah. have a fiduciary um, that you have a good cooperation, you would not change him. So it's, I think it's difficult to, to really grow very, very fast. I think this is also a very Swiss specific mentality because yeah. here it's really based on a lot of trust. Yeah. You know the people personally and then even if they might be more expensive or not the best, you usually stick to them because you have this personal relationship, yeah. Right? Yeah. So right? So this is hard to crack yeah. in that yeah. sort. Totally, yeah. Nowadays, you are a very successful company, you employ more than 50 people. Uh, you have offices in Switzerland here, uh, in Staffel, where we're currently sitting, yeah. but also in, in Germany, where you employ uh, eight other people. Yeah. And I want to sort of summarize your learnings from these past 10 years. Um, you, you've gone through a lot and you tested the prototype, but you also mentioned other parts that are super important that we have not talked about yet. For example, the team. So. What is your learning regarding the team that you set up that you also learned along these 10 years? I think yeah, the team is absolutely most important. You need, you need to do uh, such a mission with, with the right people. Um, otherwise, I think I would have failed, totally failed. Um, you need to have people that are really um, enthusiastic about the idea to maybe yeah change change the world a little bit to push in, in our case to push digitization in the field of accounting um, with a mission and and also uh, if you if you have success together that 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 uh, uh, helps a lot um, yeah and you need to to find the right people in the right phase so I think now as you're uh, more than 10 years old, uh, we, we've gone through uh, uh, different phases. At the beginning, you need totally different people than maybe now. And we've also experienced um, that um, um, after some time, um, people that are the, that were joining just after the founding phase, um, they had not that f big fun anymore as the company grew and you need to have, have processes and 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 things installed that 
that a, a bigger company just needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, yeah, they were, they, you have pioneers on the other side, and then maybe later it changes to, to people also that, that just are looking for a job. And that's also fine. I think uh, at some point sure. you need you need to go. Uh, you need to to change your mindset. That's probably also the transition that you have to manage in order to be able to grow at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And also one thing I think that is a, a good summary of your story. Despite your love for entrepreneurship, you also sort of have the philosophy that building a company is really hard and difficult. I mean, we've heard it, you had tough times where also financially, but you went through them and built a success. Can you maybe a bit elaborate on why building a company is so hard, but why you should actually do it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, there are several aspects. I mean, if, if you just start, you just basically have nothing. Your competitors, they have, they have maybe, um, they have customers, they have a product, they have, uh, um, an established network, they have a brand, they have, um, um, a logo, they have, they have a, a working IT network, they have a printer installed that just works. They, right. they just have anything that needs, needs to, to run smoothly. Uh, but but you as a startup, the first day when you start, you basically you have nothing there. You just start from scratch. You you need to think about how do I print uh, my letters, and 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 then if you say okay now I have a printer, I don't have no logo. Then you have to think about what logo should I choose or where do I get it. <laughs> and and then once you have the logo, you need to to design your 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 letter. And all this is just a, a huge amount of work and, mm-hmm. and, and comes extra. Um, and also I think one, one problem by founding uh, a company is that usually you have a plan. You think I'll be there in about, um, maybe three months from now and there in, in half a year. And in a year I do that. And usually this plan is just way too, too, um, enthusiastic. So usually, uh, you have always twice as long as you, as I, as you would expect. So yeah. especially in my, in my case, it was, it was always uh, the case. So I, I always had twice as long and it cost twice uh, as long, <laughs> a lot, but, but I, I, I knew that. And by knowing that I could, um, yeah, do a, a feasible plan, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very intense if you, if you need to do that uh, all together. But it's also a chance because maybe, uh, the established companies, your competitors, they might have structures that, that they just cannot overthrow. And, and, um, sometimes these structures are also not, not, um, good enough anymore because technology changed and you have maybe an old, old technology, uh, uh, that you use. And that's also the advantage of the startup that you can, uh, build something, uh, from scratch and, and decide and decide for the best, newest technologies and, and also, yeah, to, to disrupt. I think disruption is very hard in, in established, uh, companies with established personnel and you experienced that at IBM, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to talk about this, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, it's difficult. I think it's, no, I have to tell you, I mean, also in Roma accounts is sometimes very difficult to change, uh, now mm-hmm. because people, yeah, they're, they, they're, people don't basically don't want to change everything any day. I have um, very um, had had to experience that as well. I guess that's also part of the human nature. It's yeah. just to yeah. a certain degree how we're built. I yeah. guess. Yeah, and I think I, I'm more the guy that 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 wants to change anything, anytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are but a lot of people that that don't that don't like that. Right. <laughs> but then you know, if you grow a company and then it gets harder and harder to actually do these changes. I mean, you've built a very successful, nice company. But then at a certain point in time, if you are that type of guy that likes to change things and so on, is there also the, the thought crossing your mind that, hey, this is now working and maybe I should start a new company or do something differently because you like this probably very early stage where you can really change yeah. things on a daily basis almost. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, that's, that's, um, 
uh, that's that's really uh, an issue. So, but but I think as long as you're successful and and uh, the mission works and and um, you, you feel that you still are able to um, to do a, a good job, uh, it's I think it's good to also adopt because my also my job changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, I did just everything, and, and now I'm just doing a tiny thing or tiny, tiny process that didn't even exist at the beginning. Um, and um, yeah, my, my job changed really a lot, and I think that's also that's also something um, some entrepreneurs or some startup founders might not feel comfortable anymore with, with this job. At some point, and then I have to change. Either they 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 leave the company, or they found, or they find another uh, position in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for for me, at the moment, it's still okay. <laughs> Great to hear that. <laughs> so I would also like to talk about the financial tasks to get done from a startup's perspective. Probably it's best to start at the beginning when you actually start or set up your company. What are the financial tasks that a startup should consider? To get done at that early stage. Yeah, I think very important is that um, um, you should uh, go for VAT as early as possible because at the beginning you have a lot of investments. Um, and uh, in, for example, if you buy a computer or if you buy um, um, your desk and so on, mm-hmm. and in Switzerland you always pay 7.7% uh, VAT. And if you're not subject to VAT, you, you cannot get the, this task, task uh, uh, VAT back. So, um, especially in the beginning, uh, when you're in the investment phase, um, if you're subject already to VAT, you can deduct uh, these 7.7%, and that can be quite a substantial amount. So, um, don't wait for, for uh, revenues to grow over 100,000 Swiss francs. Um, Go for VAT as early as possible. Otherwise, you leave money on the table. Absolutely. Yeah, you can really save money by, by doing that. What else is important in the early days that you should uh, already have on the radar? Um, I think also it's important to, um, to think about uh, when you do your first uh, year-end closing. Because, because, for example, in the canton of Zurich, you can um, um, say that you want to have a, a period of 23 months. There are other cantons that allow uh, longer uh, periods as well, and if you if you wait uh, for a longer time, um, then you save also money with your fiduciary because maybe uh, if it really takes twenty three months until you have to close the first time, you save just the first um, closing. Right. Uh, nobody needs to do it, uh, and 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 like like this. Um, How much money is that approximately? I mean, it really depends on the business and the yeah, size, depends. but yeah. approximately. I, I think it starts at maybe 1,000 uh, Swiss francs, but on, depending on complexity and also how you, how you handle your, uh, your accounting during the year, it can be quite substantial yeah. amount of money that you could save potentially. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the later you do it, the later you have to pay it. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And then also a very important part that you should think about probably from day one onwards is how do you structure your accounting, right? Yeah. What is your recommendation there for an early stage startup? Um, I think accounting is really important, um, not only in terms to fulfill uh, the government requests, it's also um, a tool for you as a, as a startup entrepreneur to, to, to get information um, how your company uh, uh, actually works, mm-hmm. and and sometimes I'm really a bit um, astonished because all, all, you see all these guys walk, walking around with wearables, with uh, the Apple uh, Watch and so on that measures your pulse, your uh, uh, just anything, uh, how many steps you did uh, in a day, but they don't really care about their financials in the company. So I think it would be re- very beneficial to measure. Um, while uh, you you are growing um, and to get the financial uh, uh, track uh, that 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 everything is okay or you, that you can find something is not going well you mm-hmm. spend more money or your revenues are are not 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 as ex- expected and I think 
uh, it's really important um, to, to know where you are uh, with your financials. And I recommend to any startup to, to, to set this up as, as early as possible. And if you're not able or if you don't have any know-how, um, go to a fiduciary um, as early as, as possible. I think that's a very beautiful comparison about the personal tracking and the company tracking. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that many people don't pay attention on, on the company, the financial tracking? I think there are several reasons. Maybe one aspect is I see a lot of people that are, th are thinking accounting is just really adding some numbers and and that's basically it so you you add your your telco fees and your your hosting fees and so on and then you get the number and that's it so quite easy but after the uh, after all it's it's much more complex and and if you um, look for what happens in the vat field the social security field um, there, there's a lot of things that that you need to uh, that you need to to know and it usually also accounting takes usually twice as long as you expect uh, if you do it yourselves and um, you have to find the differences so if your bank account balance is wrong you need to to look for it quite maybe long until you find uh, the error right. so and, and that's also not something that that's really uh, funny to do so if I if I do a presentation, I always, I always ask people um, who in this room likes accounting. And, and usually if you have a speech in front of a hundred people, uh, one raises his hand. <laughs> so 1% likes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and usually that's an accountant. So, <laughs> so um, slightly biased. <laughs> that's true. And, and so I think people don't really like to do uh, administration. And I, I think that's also, it's not entrepreneurial because entrepreneurs want to talk to customers. They want to uh, uh, invent, um, but, but accounting is, is n has nothing to do with invention usually. Uh, and, and you just need to do it and uh, it's administration. So it's not, it's not fun to do it. It takes you a long time. Um, it's, it's just mathematics like in school. So it's, it's maybe not, not that the fun, there's not, no fun factor in that. But it's also a bit like brushing the teeth. Actually, in the end of the day, we all have to do it, at yeah. least from a company perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine there are different um, ways that you can set this up. You can either do all yourself, you yeah. can outsource everything and not do anything yourself. Yeah. And there are also scenarios or setups in between of these two extremes. Yeah. What are the best setups for startup companies? What would your recommendation be on that part? I mean, on, on one on one side, you you have the cost. Um, if you think about hiring a, a fiduciary and you don't have the money to pay him, um, it's 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 going to be difficult. But I, I really what I recommend, and I, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a bit biased here. <laughs> but but um, uh, if you don't have no knowledge, um, don't do accounting. I think when you're, as I said, when you're starting a company. You have to do so much. You have you have to uh, until you have your competitors, and they all have this already. Um, so my recommendation is to focus on the business, and and um, because each day you're wasting on 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 something that is not core, um, you lose money. Um, not just um, um, money that you spend; it's also money uh, in in terms of opportunity costs, you, you don't um, earn a salary. Um, and that's the really uh, important and an expensive uh, thing not to to have a monthly salary. Um, you need you really should focus that you're able to pay you a salary from from revenues as soon as possible. And I recommend not to focus on administration uh, uh, tasks. So um, I think it's beneficial to outsource. But, but I mean, if you really have know-how and, and you know exactly what, what needs to be done and, and how you do it, then, then it's perfectly fine if you, um, if you do accounting yourselves. You're probably also much faster that way, right? Absolutely, yeah. It might be, it might be at, at least at the beginning when the volume is low, um, when you need to hire the first uh, accountant, then it's another story. Um, 
at the end, an accountant or an internal um, administrative person also costs a lot of money. And it's usually much more than the uh, uh, maybe 5,000 Swiss francs that people have in mind. Because if you, if you calculate your full costs, um, it, this is much more. Um, it's my, sometimes it's even twice as much money. There's a very good template that you created yeah. where you can actually uh, yeah. check your full costs yeah, with yeah. everything included. Right. Yeah, we have a download on our web page. You have social uh, insurance costs. You have uh, maybe 13 salary. You have bonuses. Um, you, have, you need to have another desk. You have a computer that you need to buy. So it's, it's a lot of money usually and, and people are not, not that aware. And maybe you can also walk us a bit through how you actually work with clients and run my accounts, because I think this is a very nice split up between digitizing the process, but also making sure that the human factor of checking the numbers, understanding them and having accurate numbers is not coming too short. Yeah. Can you walk us through how you actually work and collaborate with clients? Yeah, there, there was a time where I, I believed, uh, strongly believed um, at the very beginning, basically that you could uh, automate any aspect of, of accounting sooner or later. But while um, providing the service, I came to the conclusion that it probably will never be possible to do that. And I think the human factor is, is, is most important um, uh, in that interface. So I think as the technology evolves, you have really fantastic machine learning algorithms and you have more and more um, um, digital formats like uh, electronic invoicing or, or, or bank data feeds uh, where you can work uh, with them and, and you can save a lot of time. Uh, potentially if you have the right process and the right technology um, but still um, sometimes a human needs to evaluate if for example something needs to be booked or if, if something is, is a really um, an accounting document or not and I think uh, for example a machine cannot really um, decide what to do with this so there, there needs to be a human that that looks at the customer looks at the business model of the customer um, or the company and, and decides if this has an important uh, importance or not. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes I think many entrepreneurs, if you just uh, would give them their financial statements and say, um, do, do whatever you want with it, they might, they might not really understand it because there's a lot of interpretation. I think you need to, if you, if you think about your finances of the company, um, you have, it's quite complex. You have uh, your competitors, you have your employees, um, you, your 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 vendors, and so on. And and somebody needs to, and I think it's a human needs to to see um, the complexity of the whole thing, and and to analyze it, and then see also while seeing that environment, he needs to see the financial statement, and then get the right interpretation. Um, out of the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to be um, experienced to be able to really do that. And sometimes um, uh, in, uh, needs a consultant uh, uh, that, that helps the entrepreneur to understand uh, or to, to take some, some important decisions. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that therefore, um, yeah, we, we in Roma accounts, um, we, we, we support our customers very personally. So there is a personal accountant for each uh, client that also takes the, the, the responsibility uh, of the whole um, um, accounting mm -hmm. and um, who is there and is personally responsible uh, that everything uh, is, is correct. And um, I think without this aspect, um, the whole automation thing just doesn't work. Yeah. And Therefore, we do uh, an initial kickoff with each client. So I think it's very important to understand the customer's business model, um, to consult him also, um, should I go for VAT or not? Or how should I uh, organize my accounts? How should I structure um, the chart of accounts uh, and so on? And I think that's, that's really um, an important um, uh, factor just to set it up in a, in a right way. Because if you just start, and then you have a whole lot of work invested and then at some point you see um, the chart of account was wrong or I didn't 
structure it well or I forgot VAT or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and usually to find the errors is, is even more um, time consuming than to do it right from scratch. An important part there is also what accounting software should he use? Um, what is your take on this choice? Yeah, it also depends. I mean, also here I'm biased. We have our, co own, uh, our own accounting software. But I think um, in general, um, if you have a fiduciary and if you trust in him, um, I would guess that you let him choose because he's mm -hmm. the expert um, in, in accounting and he's also the expert uh, in the accounting software um, he uses. And I, I would suggest that you, if you don't understand anything of accounting or just a little bit, um, don't select the product and then select your fiduciary. I would uh, um, say choose your fiduciary first and let him recommend a product that fits for your business model, for your, uh, for your size of the company and so on. And there in general, um, I mean, there are just um, there there are accounting systems that uh, where you book only the, the ledger, the general ledger, mm -hmm. um, debit credit, and, and there are also um, systems with sub ledgers. Uh, for example, if you write invoices or you have accounts payables, um, then you have maybe sub ledgers, and sub ledgers are much more complex. Um, because it, normal, normal ledger accounting is what you learn in school. Mm -hmm. But if you um, then use a, a sub-ledger system, um, it's much more complex and you need to have other um, concepts on how you, how you do the bookkeeping. Um, and I recommend, therefore, for small companies, just use a normal ledger where you um, um, do debit-credit bookings. Uh, and don't use sub-ledgers. Maybe if you're seven or eight employees, then it makes sense to, to get the higher complexity in. And um, because then at some point you have a benefit also if you um, write an invoice that it's already booked in and so on. But, but just at the beginning, um, if you want to have a really cheap um, financial um, accounting, then go for for a very easy solution like, for example, Banana or mm -hmm. so. These really, I think, they're totally underestimated. It's really, yeah. really great to, to do bookkeeping like that. And if you then approach this uh, growth and you are certainly approaching seven or eight employees, how expensive or tricky is it then to switch from a ledger to a sub-ledger system? Is that like very time consuming or is that something that can easily be done? I think that can very easily be done. Um, the advantage in accounting is that you al always um, have a period, for example, uh, a quarter or, right. or usually a financial year. And um, if you close the financial year, um, it doesn't make a difference if you if you just continue in your in your old system or if you go for a new system. Right. So, for example, ma many customers uh, that uh, come to run my accounts, they don't have to start on the 1st of January. They, we usually tell them to, to switch um, at the beginning of a new quarter because then you have a VAT period uh, included um, in one accounting system and then starts the next VAT period in the new accounting system. That and that's quite easy. So it's okay. absolutely no problem um, to switch. But it's also, I would not recommend to import um, uh, the uh, old uh, accounting data uh, to the new system because usually that's really tricky and, and mm -hmm. depending a lot uh, on the, the old system and the new system, the interfaces. Yeah. So I would not recommend that. You can just close the books and then start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And as the company grows, um, there are certain other aspects of financial planning and financial management also become more important. For example, financial reports that you then use also to make decisions yeah. for your company yeah. or strategy decisions. Can you also walk us through a couple examples on how you can make financial data-based decision-making uh, in your company? Yeah, so I think many companies, they because they don't really have the know-how um, on, on, uh, uh, on accounting, um, they have like two systems. They 
they have once they have their accounting maybe this is accounting is is just a database that is located at the fiduciary and they mm -hmm. have to have no access and therefore they need to start like uh, excels uh, where they do reportings and for example if they get an invoice they plan or they enter the invoice into their excel for liquidity planning mm -hmm. and but then the same invoice later goes to the fiduciary and then they have to key in the same figures again, and um, it's like it's like a waste of time then because because um, you do the work twice, so it's not it's not efficient. But also, I think uh, managing something like that in Excel is is very dangerous because if you work with an Excel sheet on and on, it might have a, uh, an error in in a formula, mm -hmm. and um, you might get the wrong result. So. Um, I, I would uh, say that if you grow to a certain extent and, and you need your reporting, you better go for a good accounting system where you get, get it out of, of um, the, the whole system. Mm -hmm. um, also your planning figures and so on, then you don't need it to do it twice. And therefore then it's also very important to have a current uh, account. So if you get an invoice, book it in immediately. Uh, because then you see also uh, your impact on, on the liquidity mm -hmm. and, and, and the, the future plans. And that's why the system of subledgers is important to be able to get that done, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If you have the subledgers, um, you see in the near future. And in the near future, one thing that is super important there is cash flow or also liquidity planning. Yeah. Can you explain us why this is so important for, for companies? Yeah, there are, there are a lot of companies um, running out of, of cash and then um, it's over. And basically, uh, cash flow is so important. It's like the air that you breathe as a human. Um, cash flow is, is the air that a, a company breathes. And, and um, you need to have cash flow to, to survive. It doesn't depend where the cash flow is from, maybe from investors or from, um, from, from your customers. Um, but you need to have cash flow. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's very important to, to optimize it. I remember back at university, the, the professor, he, he said, cash is king, but cash flow is King Kong. <laughs> I think he think was right. <laughs> this is probably a good, uh, a good point to take away here. So how can you optimize the cash flow? How can you ensure that you are uh, good liquidity wise, that you are set up for a successful future and actually don't run out of money on your way there? Yeah. I think it's, it's quite, uh, um, there's a lot of things you can do or think about it. But, but I think I, I wrote once, um, a, um, an ebook that you can download on our webpage exactly about that subject. And I think there are about seven, um, seven points that you can follow and which really help you, um, mm -hmm. to optimize your cash flow. And don't forget. So, for example, just for a startup, if, if investors, um, um, if you look for investors, uh, usually you do a, a cash flow, a DCF method valuation. And also there, uh, the bigger the cash flow is, uh, the more valuable the company is. And I think if you focus on the cash flow, um, it, it really helps. And there are some, some things that you can do uh, to optimize it. Quite, quite some are, are quick wins, other are more difficult um, to achieve. But for example, um, what you always also as a startup need to know is that growth um, really costs a lot of cash flow. Mm -hmm. So we, we see that also in, in Romney accounts. If, for example, if we grew, grow our customer base, we also need to grow our personnel. So because we are, right. we, we, we are not that scalable, like for example, just the software, because mm -hmm. we also provide the services with humans, we also need to hire these humans. and. Um, so maybe half a year before we think that we get new customers, you need to hire new employees, find them. That costs some, some money uh, right. on the market because you need to uh, uh, um, do some advertising and you have an, uh, a hiring process that costs money. Um, but then once the people start, they basically know almost nothing about your internal processes. Mm -hmm. So you need to uh, um, educate them on the job train them and usually it takes about half a year until um, uh, they really get productive. That's and a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. But I think 
it's it, it's usually it's underestimated. So many many uh, new hires are not really that productive at the beginning mm -hmm. um, and it takes time so if you hire people uh, or if you want to grow you need to hire people and and then this costs you a lot of money maybe when then the new employee is finally productive you need to wait another x month to be able to invoice and to that your customers then pay so um yeah and and sometimes you also also choose the, the wrong personnel um, <laughs> a very expensive mistake. Very, very, very expensive mistake. And also, maybe if you grow, you need to 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 um, rent a new office space, which costs more money. And and you usually pay that uh, money in advance uh, before growth uh, actually mm -hmm. happens. Yeah. So I, in in many phases, I really underestimated the cost of growth in raw my accounts, and I see this also with some customers. I can imagine. Yeah, you see all of their books. Yeah. <laughs> what other parts can you do to optimize your liquidity and cash flow? So um, one very important thing is 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 how you cost the way how your customers pay you. So I think in this case the best business models would be prepaid business models. <laughs> so where you get the money before you actually uh, provide your service or, or sell your product. Um, so. The earlier your customer pays you, the less um, you need to go for a bank credit. That's that's very easy. Right. And um, so, yeah, if, if prepaid would be an option in your business model, then you should absolutely uh, uh, go for that. Um, if it's not possible, then I would suggest to uh, to um, set up payment terms, uh, maybe for immediate payment or mm. maybe ten days payment or worst case would be 30 days uh, uh, of payment uh, terms. Um, yeah, naturally, if you, if you have a, a, um, a shop, a, a physical shop or a web shop, you, you get paid by credit card. So you get the money also uh, quite early. But if you send invoices, it also takes uh, uh, some time until uh, it's, the invoice reaches your customer and, uh, until he sure. pays. So if you can make that, that process more efficient, um, you might uh, have more uh, cash on your bank account. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I would suggest not to um, um, to wait until uh, too long to send uh, reminders. So um, if, if, if your customer doesn't pay you, maybe you should call him and talk to him why he didn't pay and, and, and really keep the process fluid, uh, send reminders and, and make sure that he that he really um, sticks to the contract and, mm -hmm. and, and sends you the money. Because the longer uh, that goes, the less um, probable it will be that, that he will pay. Yeah. Maybe he, uh, he's, he's also a cash flow problem and the earlier you get your money, the safer you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, pricing can also be an important part here. Um, you know, in Silicon Valley, for example, they say, if you double your price and you lose less than half of your customers, you earn more money in the end. <laughs> How does that uh, affect your liquidity and cash flow? I think price rises um, are quite uh, um, cash flow um, um, uh, are, are important for your cash flow. Um, for example, yeah, if you have like um, if you if you're in a market where you maybe have um, you you sell your product for a hundred. And you have uh, costs of eighty. Mm -hmm. So if you if you manage just to 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 um, uh, rise the prices, uh, just uh, let's say ten percent, uh, then you will sell your product for a hundred and ten, and then your margin rises by fifty percent. So it's not twenty anymore; it's the, it's thirty right. uh, per absolute percent. So your margin rises by fifty percent. So that's real, uh, real leverage. That's, and I think that's the, the example that you just mentioned. So if you manage to, 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 to double prices, then your margin goes through the roof. But normally this is not possible. And maybe it's also something that, that you, that you don't want. It depends on the market. Maybe if you're, if you're in a, in a commodity market, you cannot rise the price at mm -hmm. all. But if you're in, in a, in a, in a niche, it might be different. But also what we hear often from, especially from Swiss startups, when we also talk to them is that they most often undersell themselves and don't ask for en enough money. Yeah. So they're 
they really leave money on the table and don't use the leverage that you just mentioned. So I think this is a very good recommendation yeah. to proactively think and reflect about its own pricing. Yeah. And yeah, maybe there's room for an increase. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you need to probably test it and find out of the customers. Yeah. Then you also, before you talked about having a shop, there you have inventory that you need to, to probably have in storage before uh, your orders come in. What can you do to optimize if you have a physical product? I think, yeah, that's, that's really, that's difficult. Um, so also if you, if you, for example, provide a service where you uh, do large projects uh, that have to uh, reach a certain step until you can invoice them, mm -hmm. um, that's the same problem basically. And um, yeah, the, the little, uh, the, the, the smaller your stock is, the, the more uh, cash is on your bank account because you always need to, to buy the things that you sell first and you pay them first and afterwards you have them on stock and then you need to sell them but maybe some parts of them of your stock cannot be sold maybe because it's outdated at some point or it's not trendy enough anymore or, or, or it, 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 it's damaged or whatever can happen mm -hmm. uh, so the smaller your stock is the, the better um, it is for your cash flow Mm -hmm. uh, but but for sure, if you have a shop or you have you have this um, uh, this stock, it's it's difficult to uh, to find ways out of it. Yeah. So, for example, the, I think um, there are there are business models even uh, in in the web um, uh, for web shops that are only have the, the shop and the the stock is managed somewhere totally exactly. else. So that's this very beneficial for for your cash flow. Mm -hmm. But still, if you buy uh, products that you then resell or also whatever other goods you might sell, uh, you usually have to pay your vendors um, yeah. at a certain point in time. Is there also room for optimization there? Yeah, absolutely. The, the vendor payments, the, the sooner you pay your vendors, the, the less um, money you have on the bank account. It's the same, same there as well. I suggest uh, to never pay uh, an invoice too early. So... Um, uh, I'm a friend of, of, of paying uh, on time. I don't suggest pay, never pay them or, or something like that or pay them much too late, but I just would recommend not to pay too early. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes happens as well. Yeah. So actually sort of the, the core message is actually simple. So make sure that you get paid as fast as possible and that you pay your bills as late as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the it's simple. a bit egoistic, but, but that's how it works to optimize the cash flow. Absolutely. And then if you have your cash flow under control, um, then, I mean, at a certain point in time, you probably have investors, depending if you choose to go down that path. And there I can imagine that, you know, financial reportings become more important. They really want to see how you manage your finances and that everything is under control. How can a good financial system help you to uh, sort of get that job done? I think that's really there. You see then... Um if you have a good financial system, if, if an investor drops in and, and um, you are able to immediately show them accurate numbers and, and also that the history, the track record uh, is very important in, in that situation, um, that you have your have updated financials is, is probably the, uh, one of the most important factors besides mm -hmm. a, a good product or a good service. Right. But at, in this moment where you have investors, uh, then it's really important to, to, to show them that you have anything under control. And unfortunately, I've, I've seen a lot of companies that failed in that phase. They had a good product, but they were not able, because they had just a too long history of not doing accounting. They lost uh, their, their documents. Uh, they had no bank um, uh, statements anymore because they lost them somewhere. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's painful to 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 clean it up and and takes a long time maybe and maybe then your in, investors uh, already said oh it's not it's not it's not the company that you want to buy yeah. it's also a lot of about trust right in that regard i can imagine i think so too yeah yeah you can signal that you're you have you have a company that works mm -hmm. and uh, basically once you get money so if the first part worked out then i guess investors also want to see some control mechanisms to ensure that their money is spent wisely and 
that everything is under control. So what role does financial control play in, in that regard? I think if you get money from an investor or a bank, you also have to consider a bank, um, your responsibility goes up because you get the money, you need to make sure that everything uh, goes according to plan. Mm -hmm. I think in this phase, it's, it's even more important to have uh, your, your accounting under control and to be able to, to deliver um, reports as soon as possible. Um, after the closing period, for example, monthly reports or quarterly reports, um, this helps the investor to, to get a good feeling uh, what your company is doing. Maybe sometimes it's not going well, uh, but also this is important and, and then you're at least able to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not able to do that, then um, things are getting difficult, I think. Yeah. Would you also say that you know companies that don't have their finances in order are more likely to fail? I think so, that's true. Uh, I made, I really made that experience. Um, I think there's some correlation between uh, a good, uh, orderly, structured way how, how a company does uh, accounting mm -hmm. uh, and, and the success at the end. Right. So I I've think, seen yeah. that many times, unfortunately. <laughs> so maybe most, many times with customers that decided too late uh, uh, to to come to run my accounts, then mm -hmm. yeah, we had no documents anymore, and we could not. It was just too too late to to support uh, a fine process. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes this uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see something like that. Absolutely. If you have a good product and you just missed on on financials, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's bad. But I guess that's entrepreneurship. You have to balance several tasks at the same time. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> So process-wise, it's also important to, to work with tools, with software. You already mentioned Banana as a, as a good example. Yeah. What are other tools or uh, like gadgets that you could recommend for the financial process? Um, yeah, for sure. I also, here I'm biased, use on my accounts, I would say. <laughs> so you don't have, uh, you can focus on your, on your business and not, not on your accounting. Um, but, but, um, so what I really what I really like as a tool is Zapier. Is um, we have connected uh, Roma accounts um, about six years ago to Zapier.com, and Zapier is, is like a, a very powerful platform where you can uh, connect um, several web services together. Mm -hmm. For example, you can connect Roma accounts with uh, with uh, um, Google Sheets. And, and, and track stuff there, or you can um, connect a CRM to your accounting system and, and, and do a lot of things and automate a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I would recommend Zapier uh, to any um, um, IT-oriented uh, startup um, to automate things. It really gives you a lot of possibilities uh, mm -hmm. and to actually save time. So. Yeah, that's 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 a, a cool thing. But I think also it really depends on the industry. Uh, it depends on the size. It depends on on the the way how you want to work. So there are a lot of really good tools, but it, it always depends on on how how people work. And mm -hmm. and uh, I can't do general um, recommendations. Of course. And one last question from my side, um, this is a personal one, not strictly related to uh, financial, uh, but maybe it's also uh, linked to it a certain way from your personal experience. Do you have any additional resources like books or blogs, podcasts that you can recommend that you consume yourself on a regular basis, maybe? Oh, uh, it's difficult to say. No, no, I don't, because, because what I do is I just... Uh, I read a lot of books actually, and I also listen to a lot of books. For mm -hmm. example, when I'm, I'm jogging, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a jogger. I listen to uh, to, to books, mm -hmm. um, and uh, th this works quite well for me. And I really listen to a lot of different books. So my my idea is is I don't just don't focus on on one product. Uh, I want to see the whole range, mm -hmm. and I try a lot. So I get inputs from from very different um, channels, right. and um, yeah, I'm 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 quite using different things so to get to get the broadest perspective that you can get. Perfect. <laughs> 
So a, a wild uh, or a wide red man, sort sort of uh, to say. Is there anything that we have not talked about yet that you would like to add to this conversation? No. Okay. <laughs> Then thank you so much for your time, Thomas. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you lots of success with Run My Accounts. And uh, I'm curious to see what other projects that you might start in the future. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way, you not only support Swisspreneur but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all new episode of the Swisspreneur Show. So we hope to see you again then for a new episode.